Welcome to the Cybertraps Podcast. I am Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington, host of the podcast Transformative Principle and author of the book School X, How to Redesign Your School for the People Right in Front of You. I am a former principal at all levels of K-12 education. Greetings, everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author, attorney, and educational consultant temporarily based in East Hampton, New York. I'm the author of 10 books, including most recently Cybertraps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyberethical Kids, and Cybertraps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, parents, and others about the risks arising from the use and misuse of digital devices. Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, and cyber safety. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. For more information or to donate to our work, please visit centerforcyberethics.org. The Center, <laughs> the Center for Cyberethics is the producer of the Cybertraps podcast, although it's really just the two of us hitting chat. <laughs> in any case, the Center for Cyber Ethics is an independent, nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyber ethics as a positive social force through research, curricula development, publishing and media, professional training, and public advocacy. Well, this episode and the next few episodes of the podcast are going to be about our time in at the PPI conference in Boise, Idaho. So as we are chatting here, I hope you enjoy it and enjoy the uh, people that we were able to talk with. This was the Professional Practices Institute put on by the National Association of State Directors of Teacher and Educator Certification. And this is a similar um, conference that Fred and I went to last year in Oklahoma City as well. So hope you enjoy this and the following episodes that are going to be like it. Since we were recording in a public place, there are some times where the background noise gets a little much, but hopefully we've done enough to take care of that and it's not too annoying. And uh, thanks for your patience with that. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so, Paul, welcome. Do you want to start by telling us your name and uh, what you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Paul Stark, and I am the executive director of the Idaho Education Association, uh, formerly general counsel of the Idaho Education Association. Okay, and when you became a lawyer, did you want to be <laughs> in education? Was that intentional, or did it just happen? I, uh, when I became a lawyer, I had uh, uh, three young boys, and I just needed to make some money and pay the mortgage. <laughs> I, w I wanted to be out of an apartment, is what my yeah. main objective was. But, uh, uh, but no, um, I, did, uh, I did land into the lap of a law firm. I just happened to apply at a law firm. Uh, that did education law, and it's kind of specialized, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, not many people really know it, and um, I was doing the side of the school districts, representing boards and, and superintendents and principals, and so I got kind of my feet wet there. Then I did a private practice for a number of years. When the former general counsel of the IEA retired, um, we had got to know each other through various cases when I was representing school districts. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he came to retirement, he uh, called me up and said, hey, would you be interested in applying? And I said, yeah, sure. And uh, because I already had a background in the law, on education law, it was an easy fit. And uh, 
really has been absolutely enjoyable. Just a pleasure mm -hmm. to work with uh, educators. Yeah. Well, I think that everybody I know who's gone into education law from other law mm -hmm. has said that there's something similar, that it's, even though sometimes you're dealing with some pretty tough stuff, it's, it's better and more fulfilling because you feel like you're making yeah. a real difference. Is, well, is that fair to say? Oh, totally, yeah. I was just talking, we were just talking this morning, uh, me and uh, Mike, the communication director, we were talking about how, how quickly um, education gets under your skin. It's, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful thing, actually, because prior to that, when I was practicing law, I was, you know, I'd have clients and I'd care about them, of course, but, um, but, uh, but this is different. Like, mm -hmm. it's, uh, uh, there's a passion about public education. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure why. I could probably point to a number of things, but it gets under your skin where it's, it's more than a clock-in, clock-out job. Yeah. This is like something I believe in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and even when you're on the periphery, not in the, in the classroom teaching every day, you still feel that, right? Yeah. That, that's what I think is really cool also, and, and I appreciate that. Um, so talk about what you're doing with IEA, Idaho Education Association, now and what you're looking forward to in the future. Well, I think uh, what we're doing now is um, it's, it's no surprise to anybody that Idaho is a very conservative state politically. Mm -hmm. And it's no uh, surprise to anybody that um, education has very unfortunately become very politicized. Mm -hmm. So it, we find ourselves in a unique situation. I kind of feel like it's the tale of two cities. It's, it's, it's both the best of times and the worst of times. Um, you know, the, the unparalleled attacks on public education uh, in coming out of left field and sometimes just like uh, surprising you um, is, is, is a challenge and, and certainly teacher burnout, We've, that's mm -hmm. well documented. But it's also the best of times, especially here in Idaho, because we're finding ways to connect with what uh, people would consider conservative red Republicans. And, and we find that uh, this passion that I just talked about, about public education, that's not unique to those in the field. Uh, mm -hmm. There are many, many legislators that feel that same kind of passion. In yeah. fact, you know, especially we're very rural in Idaho. We have a lot of rural communities. And as such, uh, as you probably well know, the, um, the, the public high school or the public schools are the meeting place. That's mm -hmm. where we come together. That's where we come together because the, uh, the football team over the hill is our arch rival. Yeah. And, and, you know, in many ways, um, it's, 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 a, uh, it's not a preposterous uh, notion to say that public education is what will save America. Yeah. Because it is probably one of the last bastions where people can come together, despite political affiliations, despite whatever uh, newscast they choose to listen to, uh, when the when the home team is playing and and the you know the homecoming game is being played, we all actually come together, and and that's a beautiful thing. So uh, it, yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, reason to be hopeful. Yeah, and that's like this uh, old American view that like this we all rally around our home team and stuff, but that actually still happens. And it's not far-fetched to say that, especially in more rural places. And and that matters a lot. And I think if you can get those people together mm -hmm. uh, fighting for the same thing, then you're gonna have success with whatever you're fighting because you're together. And so the idea then is how do we make sure that we are really together, that we're not being influenced by those mm -hmm. outside sources and really committing to our values that we have within our community, um, which when it comes down to it, every parent really has a desire for their own kids to be healthy, successful, and happy. And 
no other nobody cares about anybody else's kids they just care about their own kids and so how do you help them and and how are you navigating that now with all the things that are going on in the world well one of the ways um, we're navigating this is we're trying to create oasis of rational thought mm -hmm. you know because there is so much polarization if we can create like this like this oasis where people can go and have rational conversations and have a rational basis to believe in public education you know we're trying to create that it you know it's 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 all the more repugnant when you see the attacks on public education when you understand truly as educators do understand how important that school is to that community mm -hmm. it's 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 far beyond teaching abc and 1 plus 1 equals 2 it is it is um, it's the culture of that community and that's one of the ways we do that is we really focus on local control and that's an issue you hear a lot about but um, you know that community is deciding kind of how things should go in that community mm -hmm. and uh, most it's interesting we've done some polling about especially about some of the more uh, critical issues of public education and we find no one believes that it's happening in their community right but everybody believes it's happening somewhere yeah it has yeah. to be happening yeah. somewhere and that's what that's what's the ironic thing is so uh, the the loyalty to the, the community and the, the community school is still vibrant yeah you know and so we try to uh, focus on that from a teachers union perspective we also try to bridge gaps you know we try to collaborate in large part and we're very successful in that both at the state level and at the local level mm -hmm. uh, finding ways to collaborate when perhaps uh, political opinions may differ mm -hmm. and that's where like a, a mantra in our shop is is tends to be you know we're political but we're not partisan yeah and and we're very very actively political for public education we we want all the support we can to make these public schools great but um, but you know, it's, it's, we're going to bridge the partisan divide that way. Yeah. Not everybody believes that. And not everybody thinks that unions by their nature are that. And so can you talk a little bit more about how you help people see that you're political, but not partisan and why that's so important? And I can't speak for every state, right? This sure. is, I'm just speaking for what we do in here in Idaho. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I, sometimes when I'm speaking with teachers, I say, you know, your first politics is education. Mm -hmm. That's your first politics. Your second politics be whatever they want. But I don't think no matter where you are on the political spectrum, every educator wants kids to learn and they want every kid to learn. You yeah. know, they're not they're not willing and wanting to discriminate by all these uh, by all these wedge issues that we see thrown. Um, every educator, I would dare say, wants to educate every child and thinks mm -hmm. every child deserves a proper good education. And so I think uh, kind of uh, focusing in on those fundamental principles of uh, you know every child regardless of their zip code deserves a good quality education that we should have schools that our students deserve um, mm -hmm. you know not not with crumbling walls and, and you know peeling wallpaper you yeah know? Um, we should have drinking water that's safe to drink you know yeah. those are the kind of things like can you really be <laughs> can you really uh, oppose safe drinking water like who yeah. who can honestly oppose safe drinking water there's no uh, there's no uh, neutrality on safe drinking water you know what I mean yeah there's really not and and that's a that's a good example to say this is this is where we can all agree mm -hmm. how do you do that with the more complex things and and the especially the the wedges that you're talking about how do you help people see that we can all get on the same side on this well I think in large part some of the wedge issues are um, I'll say it's smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. And I think this, the, the antidote to that kind of hype is transparency. Yeah. And, and so what I, what I would say to those people that worry about 
you know, all of these wedge issues that are being thrown out nationally, by the way, it's, it, it appears to be more of a national campaign. I'd say to them, come and see, mm-hmm. show up, you know, like, like, like actually show up at your local school and come see what's happening. For one, and I'd say that to legislators, I'd say it to anyone, for one, you're gonna see the hardworking people and what they're actually doing. And that's administrators, that's classified, that's bus drivers, that's teachers, paraprofessionals. Look and see all the hard work that they're actually doing and you'll be blown away. Mm-hmm. You're, you will change your opinion about public schools. And then come see and look at the curriculum. Right. Throughout the state of Idaho, parents have every opportunity to come uh, review curriculum. It's part of the law. And yeah. so, like, come and participate. Like, instead of just throwing bricks, why don't you show up and actually see what's actually happening yeah. and then maybe be a part of something? You know, if, if, if something doesn't quite suit your fancy, then start having that discussion. You know, mm-hmm. talk with the educators because they're good people. They're, they're honestly very, very good people and they want the best for kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you said that piece about transparency because that's something that I've been saying for a long time that if you aren't happy with what's going on, come and like see what's going on and yeah. see if you still feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And if you do, then that's a valid concern because you really don't like it. And let's talk about it and see what we can do. Because if you're not happy with it, I'm sure there's other people who aren't happy with it and we want to make this the best we can for everybody. That's right. And so I had, um, when I was in Fairbanks, Alaska, um, we were doing a lot of stuff around personalized learning and it was very disruptive because we weren't teaching how things were taught before. And so we were, Uh, instead of sending home worksheets and homework we were having kids do real projects and working in groups and not by themselves and and every mix in between and a lot of parents were like I don't like this because it's not what I did when I was a kid it doesn't look like school anymore you know and so I said well come and talk and let's let's see what your issue is and come and see what your child is doing in the classroom and see how you feel about it after you look at it Mm -hmm. and when I first started teaching I I had parent volunteers in my middle school that came into my middle school classroom and and I had them come in and give me feedback on what they were seeing and they these parents who came in were like I can't believe what you're doing this yeah. is fantastic once they could see there was no room for complaint Aww. and I think that is true with almost all things and and I appreciate what you said about it being a national campaign also that it's not something that um, people are thinking up themselves or coming to a conclusion on themselves typically and there are times when teachers say or do something that's not appropriate for a school like endorsing a particular political candidate or something like that that's not what teachers are supposed to be doing but it happens sometimes and when those things come up then parents bring it up and we talk to the teacher and and we move on and most of the time it's that simple some of these wedge issues though they're driving in really deep and instead of coming and seeing people are coming to board meetings complaining and and they have an agenda that they're trying to push and i think your response to transparency is really powerful in a way to instantly negate that negativity yeah that's right it's like when uh my youngest boy uh when he no longer was doing long division and like, I'm like, I don't know how to help you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and why do they do this? And I'm like frustrated because I can't help them at the kitchen table. But, yeah. then, but then guess what? I go talk to the math teacher and they say, no, look, this is how it works. And they're actually long term for their ability to understand math concepts long term. Yes. This is a better way to do it. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. You know, now I understand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, 
it's 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 wonderful actually to be able to work with uh, many uh, individuals legislatively at the school district level uh, when you come and you uh, speak in very rational reasonable ways and mm -hmm. and it, when you take the fact that we're a union right we're the teachers union there, there's all this stigma and baggage that comes with that and we have found at times in the past like legislators are reluctant to even talk to us you know yeah. oh, the union blah 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 and but then once we actually sit at the table with them all of a sudden we find that they're now starting to email us yeah. And, and, and one in particular, I won't name the name, but one particular very influential legislator, you know, when I first met him, he was very hostile, really hostile. And, um, and then, uh, then at, you know, a couple legislative sessions ago, he was starting to text me, you know, saying, what do you think about this bill? Mm -hmm. Because he knew I'd give him an honest um, assessment and that I was rational and reasonable. And, yeah. and I think... That's the thing that I think we've done best at the Idaho Education Association. Was we've shown, look, we're, we're interested in the best for children, the best for students, and best for public education. And, um, and that's where we're going to be. And they, they've come to rely on that. We're mm -hmm. a rational, reasonable voice in this, in this uh, turmoil of, of political partisan fighting. Yeah. yeah. I think that is so important, that being that rational, reasonable voice makes such a huge difference. And when you when you come at this not defensive but uh, with a listening ear, it makes a huge difference. And you know, parents have real concerns about their children, and because they're their children, they are very real concerns that yes. mean a lot. We have to respect that and recognize that that's a real thing. Absolutely. And you can't dismiss what they're saying. You have to hear them and then do your best yeah. to to help them see what's really going on and that there's not something nefarious. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is the, um, you gave a presentation here at PPI about uh, the ethics committee that you formed in Kimberly School District. And um, talk about that, your relationship with the superintendent and how that came to be, and, and just a brief summary of that. You don't have to redo the whole presentation, for sure. sure. <laughs> uh, so the superintendent in the Kimberly School District, Luke Schroeder, has become a friend. Uh, it wasn't, it didn't start that way. Mm -hmm. And he, I think he would probably admit that he, he was once a union hater, you know, and he, yeah. did, he did not see the local uh, union as a, an asset to him. Mm -hmm. But um, I gave a few presentations where I said, look, these are the reasons why you might want to have a vibrant, strong local union, mm -hmm. which was just like a crazy notion for a lot of people. Yeah. But he started thinking about it. And then we started having telephone conversations. And what we discovered is that, you know, um, there were a lot of people that, well, there are some people that gain an advantage by having us fight each other. Yeah. The us versus them gives some advantage to some people. Mm -hmm. they, they want us to continue to fight. And what we said, we, what we found out is we were on the same page pretty much on every issue. We wanted exactly the same thing. The, the union and he as an administrator, we wanted the same thing. And I remember, and I think I mentioned this in the presentation, I remember it was a rainy day, and we, Luke and I, I was on my way into work, and I was talking to him on the phone, and I remember pulling over, and I remember the windshield wipers going, and I remember there was this moment, and I don't, I think he said it, or I said it, I can't remember, but one of us said, we can do better. Mm. We can do better than what we're doing now, can't we? And it's like, why don't we come together and do better? We already agreed on so very much. Why do we? Why are we stuck in this us versus them rut? Yeah. And we kind of collectively decided to just say we're not going to play that game anymore. We're not doing that anymore. We're going to do something different. And what do you see spring out of that? Is morale, you know, like staff morale goes through mm -hmm. the roof. 
his the productivity of his employees is better discipline goes down and then and then this idea of the ethics committee kind of came up as we, we we thought you know with all these potential ethic violations by educators like why aren't we talking about this more and it was mostly Luke's idea I think and I supported him but um, he he formed this committee in his district made up of educators and he was the only administrator that would be in the room no principals at all would be sitting in the room and they would just talk about ethics issues and they would talk about how it's important to to vet these things and to to do a kind of a gut check with your colleagues when when something questionable comes up mm -hmm. and as a result again what the educators in his building i dare would say is that we feel included we feel valued we feel listened to and we see that luke wants wants us here and wants to make us the best we can be and then all of a sudden, I mean, the, it blossoms from there, yeah. Jethro. I mean, it just goes nuts of all the potential things. When we stop just fighting each other and we start, like, rowing in the same direction, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see it happen now. And it's happened other places, but there's still loads of work to do. Yeah, there is. There, there's always going to be that work because people change and come and go. And even though his group now are... Even though his group now are very... Uh, tighten it and understand that like this is something that matters and we can talk openly about these things someone else is going to come in without that experience yeah. and it just shows that it has to keep on going that you can't just do a one and done and then think that it's all over because that's not going to work yeah i think i think i could say it this way um trust is a very delicate thing yeah it's so much easier and it's it's kind of it's very, it's more, it's easier just to fight each other, to distrust, to, to let your mind get filled with hateful concepts and conspiracy theories. It's such a harder, yet a higher road to say, I'm going to choose to trust. Yeah. But it's a delicate thing. Mm -hmm. And you have to always be mindful of that trust. You always have to build upon that trust. And you always have to really view every decision and every action through that lens of what is this going to do with the integrity of, of you as a principal or you mm -hmm. as a local union president, what's, what's my, wh wh how are my actions gonna roll? And yeah. if we're mindful of I think we can maintain that. And that's, mm -hmm. where, that's where beautiful things happen. And, yeah. and I'm not kidding, I mean, just amazing, very cool things can happen in education. That's the best, best of the two, uh, tale of two cities, is yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And trust is so important and something that we think you, just just happens naturally or doesn't happen naturally and the reality is, is that you can do a lot to influence that and make it yeah. exist or not exist and you know I think having the conversations like Luke is having with his staff about ethics situations and and what that means and what that looks like goes a long way to doing just that so my last question for yeah. you today is what is one thing that a leader can do to this week to be a transformative leader like you if uh, so, if I was, if I had just a random building principal, superintendent, or local president here sitting with me, I would say take a moment, take a deep breath, and stand down, just for a moment, mm -hmm. and and come to a place where maybe you could admit your mistakes. Come to a place where you can be a little bit vulnerable. If it was a principal, I'd say I'd say approach your local president, and come in a way that's you know, humble and not like, this is my turf, this is my show, yeah. you know, um, but come to a local president and say, hey, look, what you want and what I want are probably the same thing. Let's find a way to work together. We can, we can work this out. 
Yeah. And if I need to change as a principal, I'm willing to make those changes because I believe in the better common good. And I, I, you know, I'm also going to need you to change a little bit. But I think if we both can bend just a little bit, I think mm -hmm. we can make the staff happy. We can make collective bargaining smoother mm -hmm. than it ever has been. And we're going to see better student outcomes. Our parents are going to be happier. And this is going to be a long, you know, for a, for a principal, you won't have the turnover. I know that's, that's a big right. issue right yep. now. You know, because money is a big factor, but the studies show that feeling valued in the workplace is more of a factor for longevity than yep. even the money is. Yeah. So I would say uh, take a deep breath, stand down just a little bit, and try to find common ground. Try to accentuate what you have in common and try to uh, de-emphasize the things that separate you. Yeah, I, I think that's brilliant advice. And I was just talking to uh, Byron Darnell, who's the assistant associate superintendent, Associate Commissioner of Education in Kentucky about recruitment and retainment. How do we keep teachers? And he said the similar things to what you just said. And I think it's so important that we recognize that it's more than just about how much people are getting paid. Um, and it's about people feeling like they belong, that what they're doing matters, and that it's fulfilling their purpose for their life. So, uh, Paul, appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for your time. This was a great conversation. It's been a pleasure, Jethro. Thank you.